Welcome to February, everybody. How you doing? Welcome into the Monday Smash alongside Irish Rafael. My name is Tom Lang. It is time to smash it up on a Monday night here on War Chain TV. Tonight's show is presented, as always, by State Farm agent Russ Voorhis. More on Russ in a minute. But I think, Ira, I hear everybody in the coaching office for Florida State going and taking a breath because in the modern day, and modern, I mean the last three, four years, of college football, this is about the only time of the year in which a coaching staff can breathe just for a second before they got to get back into recruiting, portal, tour of duty, spring practice. Uh, Florida State has been doing some work in both the portal and on the recruiting front the last month. Yeah, man, if you think about it, uh, you know, obviously the season was the season, and then the month of December was probably worse than the season because you had recruiting, the portal, uh getting a team ready for a bowl game with all the crap that was going on there. Then right after that, it's, I mean, it's wide open for recruiting and transfer portal season. They brought in what over a dozen transfers in January. And then you have uh, still, and then the junior days start up. I think the first junior day was the 21st, 20th, 20th, and then 27th. And this past week and then another junior day. So yeah, you're right. The recruiting dead period has started. So from, from now until March 3rd, I believe, uh, they can talk to recruits on the phone. They can text them. They can email them. They can get them on FaceTime, Slack, whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. But they can't actually – are you sure? They can't no, do no, FaceTime? No, no. I, I was shaking my head. Like, I'm sure that they're racing to their phones to do that. That was, that was a well, sarcastic shake of the head. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, no. I thought maybe – you know, the NCAA <laughs> – yeah. at one point, the NCAA, like, you could email, but you couldn't text, or you could text, but you couldn't email. It's like, yeah. what? But, yeah, I mean, pretty much right now, electronic communications they can do, but they can't be – in person uh, now for the next month. So it'll, uh, yeah, give them a little bit of time. I doubt, I doubt they'll take any vacation time. My guess is they're, you know, they got the tour duty stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So, and then the workouts. And so it, it never really stops, but yeah, it's gotta be better than it has been for the last uh, several months. For sure. There was a rule at one time too, where you couldn't initiate a phone call, but you could accept mm-hmm. one. And so like, I mean, yeah, it's goofy. Uh, but Florida state has been doing some serious work behind the scenes. Also here, uh, my compatriot on the right side of the screen, Ira's been doing some serious work. He drove to Alabama this weekend uh, for the Senior Bowl. Ira, I'm going to ask you about that in just a minute, but it's nice to have you back riding shotgun for Monday Smash. Last week you weren't here yeah. because you caught Pretty wind of some developments, and now that that's kind of over with, would you mind sharing us, sharing with the class what happened uh, close to about 7 p.m. this time last Monday? Yeah, man, I forgot about that. feels like a month ago, not yeah. last week. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, it was probably a little after six o'clock. I found out that um, sounded like that they were they were filing or had filed uh, their amendment. Florida State had filed their amendment to their lawsuit against the ACC, and um, and then it was a matter of like getting it and then writing it. But I realized, man, there's no way I could just sit on this because I didn't know who else might get it. And so I had to call you and be like, "Hey, man, I can't do the show." So did you just have Michael on for the whole show? Yeah, Michael. It turned into a recruiting chat for about 40 which, minutes. So which is probably was- better. People were probably happier with that anyway. But, but uh, yeah, so I had to work on that. And it, I'm glad I did, man, because it took me six hours. Thankfully, no one else did get it. So I was the only one. Yeah. Uh, Warchant was the only ones to get it that night. But um, we did uh, – yeah, we broke that story that night, and everybody else got it the next day. It was an interesting Monday night, I remember, because um, I rolled over and I heard something in the kitchen. And it was like 1.30 and I see this. I'm like, it was just posted. I'm like, geez, Iris had to parse through all kinds of legalese for the last however many hours uh, to break that particular story. Florida State and the ACC lawsuit, that continues to go on. We'll monitor that uh, as the weeks and months, hopefully not too much longer. Maybe, Iris, they get to the settlement table and they can put an end to this earlier, but we shall see. 
Uh, you were in Mobile. Uh, Florida State had three players at the Senior Bowl last week, some other players as well at the East-West Shrine game, I believe three and three, uh, as they're preparing for the NFL draft. In terms of the game itself, two Florida State Seminoles played. One was Braden Fisk. One was Jaheim Bell. What was that experience like, Ira? Florida State hasn't been sending guys in twos and threes and maybe more than double digits this year. Certainly it would seem that way in quite some time to the NFL draft. So uh, what was it like to get back to the Senior Bowl? Yeah, the last time I went actually was the year EJ won uh, the MVP. And I think Vince Williams had a really good week that week. Vince Williams was like, he's like one of the all-time great Senior Bowl stories because coming out of that season, I mean, he was a starter at Florida State on a really good football team, but he wasn't. I don't know if a lot of people thought he was going to be a high draft pick. And then he showed up at the senior bowl. He was an alternate. Somebody didn't show up. And so they called him in that week. And I remember seeing him at the senior bowl and I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> Somebody, a lot of those guys, man, once their college career is over, cause now they don't have to worry about school and they can just focus on football training, just weight room work. Uh, he showed up, man. He was ripped. Um, he looked like a different guy physically at the senior bowl. And then at pro day, Obviously, he ends up with the Steelers, has a great NFL career. Um, but I think the Senior Bowl was big for him. It really, I think, opened some doors for him. EJ was MVP. Ponder had been MVP a couple years before that. I don't think – I don't rem- – I didn't cover it. The Like, they sent – I would assume they sent several guys. You know what? I don't think – you know, in the 13 team, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys were eligible for the Senior Bowl. I remember the Senior Bowl getting pissed off because a bunch of those guys declined. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't think, I think that's why we didn't go. And then, yeah, man, from like 15, 16 on, there were no players to go. Um, and then, you know, maybe if you had one guy go, maybe it wasn't worth the trip. So, but yeah, it was really good um, to get over there. I went over with Don Juan Moore, who's a photographer and a really good guy. He covers it every year for his business, for photos and uh, trading cards and things like that. So I went over and, uh, and I was a little bit worried because I, you know, as soon as I got there, I heard Johnny wasn't going to play. And then, you know, you just don't know. I figured Braden Fisk would play, but you don't know for sure. Some guys pull out uh, or opt out on the day of it because the, the practices are seen as the more important time. But he and Jaheim both played, and, and I was able to get both of them after the game and do interviews and stories. The story on Braden Fisk is already up on the site with a video. Um, put that up yesterday, and I've got a story with Jaheim Bell uh, coming as well in a video. So, so those will be coming on the site maybe tomorrow. Yeah, the thing with uh, with all three of those players, Ira, is that they really advanced their professional cause. Uh, Johnny had an excellent week of practice. Yeah. Uh, you had people remarking that uh, you know he's so quick out of his breaks. His uh, burst off the line of scrimmage is incredible. His hands look great, and you could see it against really good players, including a Georgia a member of the Georgia secondary, which makes you feel like the opt out situation. What could have been. He did his job at that point in the game itself. In, in the interview, we have it on Warchant TV. We have it on Warchant.com, the full story. But Braden had to play a lot of reps, Ira, probably more than he ever had to play at Florida State because <laughs> the rotation at Florida State is so aggressive. But he was one of four defensive linemen. He played a little bit at defensive tackles, and he played a little bit at end. He had to switch teams the night before. He was in great spirits, Ira, and he's got every reason to be in great spirits because he was making waves on Wednesday and Thursday, and then he had a really good game, so much so that the broadcast, Charles Davis said he was the MVP of the game during the broadcast, which what a week for Braden it was. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Both of them, I would say the same thing about him. Well, in different ways. Johnny, it's funny that people are saying that because I honestly think he's Johnny Wilson's a guy you kind of have to see in person to to really grasp how impressive it is to be that size and to run the way he does. Like, I think there's people don't think he can really run, but man, 
at that size, so, yep. so the way he gets in and out of breaks as smooth as he is, he he's he's an exceptional athlete, and and I'm curious to see how he does once he gets to a pro day, once he do, goes to the combine. Because again, the more that they see him up close, I think it's they're going to be more impressed by him. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, he did have a good week, and I heard he tweaked something. I mean, that's why he didn't play on Saturday. I, I don't know for sure if that's true, um, but he didn't play in the game on Saturday. But Braden Fisk, the reason I say somewhat similar is, you know, man sometimes you don't know what defensive lineman's numbers, you know, like, you know, sometimes guys run down plays from behind, which he does some and okay. Is that a tackle? Is that an impactful play? Or is he just running down, you know, is he a vulture that's kind of, you know, jumping on a tackle three yards down the line of, you know, just hustling after the play is really over. But I thought, man, he was fantastic. Um, You know, he was good in practices, obviously, but I thought he was fantastic in the game. I mean, he, he, Anytime he was single blocked, man, he was a menace. He, I mean, whether it was bull rushing or swim moves, uh, the and even when he was double team, man, he really made those guys work. And I, I just could not have been more impressed by him. And I think that's to your point, yeah, man. I think he definitely made himself some money. And Jaheim, I think with the week, he didn't do a ton in the game. He had, he only played the first half. He had a, a sixteen yard catch called back, uh, catch and run called back by a penalty. Had a twenty yard catch later that was a nice, you know, the, both those plays were nice plays. Um, but he he skipped out uh, the second half. I think he got tweaked something and mm-hmm. just didn't want to play through it. So, but yeah, I think all three of those guys definitely helped their cause. Yeah, Jaheem is uh, one that we haven't talked a little bit too much about, just in, in terms of maybe the atmosphere uh, around uh, Jaheem Bell's week. I saw you know obviously he made a couple of plays in practice and one on ones, and that's going to happen. We thankfully the way that we see practice, we see those one on ones every day. But did you get the sense that yeah, Jaheem did you know what he needed to do to at least prove to the scouts that hey, I was banged up for a huge portion of the season in 2023 and and watch me work a little bit now that I'm a little bit more explosive. Yeah, and that's what the story I've got about him is mostly about. You know, I talked to him. I actually talked to his mother. Um, she was at the game. Family was at the game. So I talked to his mother as well. And, and, and you know, we talked about that fact that he was not healthy for much of the year. Um, and I even talked to them about opting out, you know, and, and not playing in the, in the Orange Bowl. And, you know, if he had been healthy, his mother said, look, if he had been healthy – you know, he did, he dealt with that ankle or whatever it was all year. If he had been healthy, she's, you know, she basically said, I would have talked to him and said, you know, you probably need to play, you know? Um, and, and he said, you know, you know, just, he was so upset about the snub, but then also not being healthy, but those guys. And I think, you know, what we're, we saw in these games is a lot of those guys were not healthy late in the season, you know, this one, the East West Shrine game. Um, but they use that time to rehab and now they're, giving themselves the best chance at the next level. So it sucked for the players who stayed. It sucked for Florida State fans. But I also get it why some of those guys felt like they had to get healthy because this is their careers on the line. This is almost like a fantasy football style question because with fantasy football, you know, you, you might it might be somebody from your rival team. Like if I'm a Bucks fan and I go back to the central days, like so I grab a Packer. It's kind of weird, but you work with it because you want that guy to go eight for 150. In a way, as a knoll, you're kind of watching kids. If you're a Noel fan and then the NFL is like this other thing, you just hope they go to good situations where they fit and they can blossom and have long careers. Vince Williams is a great story because Carlos was the only Williams that anybody talked about. And then Vince is the one that has the long NFL career. Is there a guy from this particular team, Ira, maybe with somebody you covered in Mobile, is there a guy from this team that you're excited to go see play at the next level? Like what his career turns into more than some others maybe? You know, uh, I kind of wonder about um, 
I don't know, man. I kind of wonder about Renardo Green. I kind of think Renardo Green might be a guy that surprises us by playing 10 years in the NFL. Um, you know, he really still hasn't played a ton of corner at college. Um, you know, his first two or three years at Florida State were basically a wash. Um, and then he really you know, came into his own these last two years. Um, I think he's a hard worker. I like the way he carries himself. Um, I'm not going to get into his personal business too much, but like I saw him, I saw the car he got into one day after a practice and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the, 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 the $100,000, you know, ride that some of these guys in the NIL era can, and I'm sure he could if he wanted to, you know? And, and, um, so I just think he's a mature guy. I think he's very focused and driven and I have a feeling he's going to, I, he's one I, it's, you know, if I was putting my chips out there and just trying to like hit a long shot, cause I don't know if most people think he's going to be a guy that plays 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling he might be. Yeah. For me, uh, the guy I'm interested in to watch is, is Kalen Deloach just because of the speed. Like sometimes in some ways, I the NFL is like a simpler, it's a simpler league. It's a simpler game. Like, I use the Williams brothers. Carlos at Florida State was a good player. It was hard to find a home for him, a specific position that worked. Won an ACC championship as a linebacker in 2012. Ends up being a running back, has an overtime touch, walk-off touchdown against Clemson in 14. And then for that brief stint, it was straight-ahead speed, and he was a home run threat for the Bills. And it was like, man, it almost looks easier for him at this level than it does than it did in college. I feel like Kalen Speed's going to play, Ira. I think that's really going to be a weapon because the NFL is just about how quickly can you get point A to point B, and Kalen Speed was on display. And and if he does that at the NFL level, I think it almost elevates some of the plays he made at Florida State post-fact. But that's I can't wait yeah. to watch him play and see how he develops. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. And, and uh, I think Jane asked about Jarian Jones. I think he's another guy. And again, anytime Jarian Jones comes up, I always give credit to T-Buck. Because he was the, we were at a practice three years ago when everybody was kind of down on Jarian Jones and, and Terrell Buckley was I think it, I don't know if it was when he was being honored at Florida State or if he just came back to visit I think he was he was uh, I think he might have been like the honorary captain of the spring game or something happened but he was around and uh, and he he had recruited Jarian Jones in Mississippi State and he and he he said you know he's like everybody's sleeping on this kid he can play and sure enough he, he tremendous senior season um, but yeah Caleb Deloach is. I I don't I need to go back and look I, in my mind is Gino Hayes a good comp because oh yeah yeah body size so. and, and the running ability and and because because Gino's a guy it's funny when Gino Hayes was being recruited by Florida State out of Madison County Mickey Andrews I knew loved him and Gino came to a practice first time I saw him at a practice I was like and Gino was like a four star big time you know and the first time I saw him I was like that's him yep. you know like yep. just. And then, you know, obviously great college career. And then he, you know, but I, I wonder if, cause I, I wonder about Kalen's durability, but to your point about guys having roles and, and, you know, Kalen obviously is a guy that can run sideline to sideline and, and he, and he hits when he gets there. Um, he does. And, and he knows the location. It's all about the, the placement of the hit and the Clemson play, the play of the season, you know, more than it is anything else. The disguise is great, but you got to place it right or else it's a sack and it's not what it turned out to be, which is a, a touchdown. Gino's a great comp, Ira. So he was 6'1", 226. I'll look up Deloach's stats in a minute. But as a Bucks fan, I was very enthusiastic about that pick because the Bucks got him in late. They got him in the sixth round, 175th pick. And I thought, man, what a steal. Like, hmm. this is a high-floor player. And who knows what he's going to be. Ended up leading the Bucks in tackles, I think, one season. But uh, 400 career tackles, 10 sacks in the league. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think, yeah, that that's a great potential comp. I like you. you. By the way, may he rest in peace. May he rest uh, in peace. Yeah, it tragic. Is, it's bizarre, like, to Terrible. think about that. Because that Terrible. was – um, he was one of, uh, like, the players that played at my time at the school, yeah. too, which is just, you know, every day you're grateful for when stuff – you know, yeah. when things like that happen. Uh, but I'm, I'm on your side with the Johnny Wilson. We, we've talked about this a, a lot at practice over the years. And he's quicker than you think. Like, yes. you know, that to be able to motor at that size – he was the he he was the first guy to a spot down the field pretty often in college. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying he's Mike Evans' clone because he's taller and he's he can't be as fast as Mike. But there's no. something to rangy people not looking as as quick as they are because of their sheer size. I'm fascinated to see what Johnny becomes at the next. And level. I think and I think it's just an assumption. I just think it's yeah. an assumption that we've seen what guys certain sizes run like, and you just don't think he's going to be able to run that fast. But I, yeah, man, I, and I think, and I think there's so much more that goes to being a receiver. It's funny. I ran into Kes. I feel like I'm name dropping here, but I ran into Kes McCorvey the other day, and uh, and I was just talking for a couple of minutes, asked what he thought about these new receivers who are here, and and uh, and he said, you know, it's just so hard. He's talked to some of them, and he, he's seen them a little bit, but he hasn't really seen them on the field yet. And and it, and it's funny when you talk to Kes about receivers, you just know his his knowledge and this guy's coached professionally in college uh, receivers and obviously played at a high level but he you know he's like it's so, i need to see what they not just how they run and how they move but but how they play in space how they find space you know there's so many things that you need to see about a receiver besides height weight and speed uh in hands and um so yeah for, from that standpoint again johnny's got to be a little bit more consistent with the catching it sounds like he had a great week though uh, the senior ball. I don't think there was any issues with that at all. No, the reporters were saying his hands are immaculate. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, you'll turn on the tape and say maybe not so much, but that means that the improvement was there. And I really think, Ira, if he doesn't get hurt, not that he would have caught every single target that was within his catch radius, but hands catches this year. He was better at that in 23 than he was in 22. I thought he was more, he was making some more of those routine plays that he seemed to be not making prior so we've got months to break that down uh the nfl draft is the last week in april they did it in may for a couple of years and they said the hell with that so it's last week in april we've got the combine coming up at the end of the month that'll be fun to cover as well pro day at florida state is going to be a who's who our actual like big time coaches are going to be showing up on campus they might even send an nfl network to put a desk on the field uh, it's been a while since that happened uh we'll be covering that for you at warchant.com in about 15 20 minutes Michael Langston will be joining the show tonight. One final junior day. It's uh, essentially the last round of questions that you can offer up to Michael before the dead period. So feel free to get those questions in the hopper. I see we've got a lot of questions uh, for Ira and I, so we will get to those in just a moment after 15 seconds of loving for our guy, State Farm agent Russ Forrest. Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. I feel like 15 seconds of loving would be like a hair metal album. I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Russ Forhis is a State Farm agent who is not just uh, about the insurance game. He'll talk Florida State football with you. He'll talk Florida State sports with you. You could try him at either of those two numbers. Those are the two brick-and-mortar operations at Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park. But as you know by now, Russ Forhis covers the entire state of Florida, the entire state of Georgia, and Alabama. Find out more information at russforhis.com on the podcast. That's R-U-S-S-V. O-R-H-I-S dot com. Ira, he's one of the OGs at War Champ. Yeah, he is. And a longtime Florida State fan, longtime Florida State supporter. 
guy that puts his money behind it. And uh, I know he's excited about, uh, you know, this upcoming season. I'm sure he's excited about baseball and softball, which are about to start. He's probably not real excited about basketball. He's And he actually played yeah. basketball. Um, but I don't think he's real fired up about that right now. But, yeah, Russ Voorhis is uh, just a good guy, good knoll, and uh, knows the insurance business inside and out. Looks like we're getting some legal questions. Uh, put your put your lawyer hat on because here comes a question from Brett, Ira. Probably too early to discuss, but the court determined Dartmouth athletes are employees of the school. How soon will all scholarship athletes deemed to be so? Uh, sorry if it's a duplicate post. Uh, Ira, so just in general, speaking to the people you do, is that where this thing is going? Because there's two fights. There's Florida State trying to get out of the ACC. There's the, the NCAA taking on a lawsuit, it seems, every 10 minutes yeah. over what exactly a student athlete is. What's the sense of it you get, if anything, uh, when talking to school and you know university officials and people like that? Yeah, I think I mean there's a school of thought that it might go to that uh, might go to like an employee model. I think most people do not want that to happen. Uh, I think the preferred uh, approach, and this is again just from hearing from other people. I don't, I can't tell you all the legal reasons, but they're really hoping there'll be like a, a special class designation for these student athletes where they're kind of a hybrid of an employee, but also a student athlete, an amateur athlete or something like that to where, because once you become an employee, there are a whole lot of other things that come into play. Um, it, it's going to need to be the, the revenue sharing idea. If you get, if you go to that route and then you've got collective bargaining, there's a lot of complications with all this. I mean, I guess the bottom line, what I'm saying is there's not really any, none of these are perfect solutions. This is a bizarre, this is a very unique situation where we took uh, a class of people who were de- deemed amateurs and not employees, and now we're paying them. And now there's all this money here, and now they've got to figure out how to make it work. That's why they've wanted Congress to get involved. They do want to create like a special class for them. But I mean, I, it's anybody's guess how this is going to play out. And and as as you know, Brett brings up at this point, I don't know that people expected this judge to rule the way he did, and it or he or she. And so now here we are with this. And so now it's just there's and there's a couple of other lawsuits out there. There's several other lawsuits out there uh, from an NCAA standpoint that could mean, I mean, billions of dollars in damages and back pay and all kinds of stuff that really we don't know how any of that's going to shake out. So let me add something else, a different wrinkle to all this, Ira. What do you make of that Friday report that the SEC and the Big Ten are now partnering up? It almost seems like that they're trying to get out in front of the entire mess that's coming with the NCAA, reclassify football and take over the world. They, they say that they are not doing anything to usurp the power of the NCAA. Right. Why do I get the suspicion, Ira, that that's exactly what they're doing uh, when you have these two power players getting together and deciding to divide up the world? Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I don't trust them at all <laughs> um, to look out for anybody other than themselves. They've proven, their history proves that. Uh, I'm surprised somehow Jack Swarbrick didn't show up at the meeting too and the SEC, the Big Ten, and, and Notre Dame. Um, we'll see how that plays out. My guess is they'll they'll somehow be taken care of. But um, yeah, man, I, this is you know it just feels like this is where it's been going for a long time. No matter how much everybody denies it, um, the big question you know talking to people at FSU, you know Michael Alford and different people uh, at other schools feel the same way. You know the big concern everybody has is you've got this big rush with football to professionalize football and and whatever however how whatever shape that takes. And this is probably a step towards that path, but we still don't know what that's going to mean for these, the other sports, you know, the Olympic sports um, that we all love. I mean, people, 
I mean, Florida State softball fans, you and Jamie are, are big Florida State softball fans. People love the soccer team. People love um, tennis and baseball, whatever you are into. It's that we don't know how that's all going to be impacted by this. And everybody's fired up about football and made, these guys getting money and professionalizing it. And, and, and there's going to be some unintended consequences. So these next couple of years, I think, are just going to be even more wild than probably the last couple. No, I mean, it'll make your head spin because you've got so many different fights. For Florida State specifically, too, you've got one extra layer to this that the member institutions of the SEC and the Big Ten do not, which is Florida State wants to be in one of those two places. So they're trying to get out from where they are to be one of the two power players or, or be underneath the banner, the flag of one of the two power players in the SEC of the Big Ten so that programs like softball, soccer, and others can continue to you know compete with the Joneses uh, softball begins on Thursday this week, and we've got more coverage of that. We'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, so Florida State's trying to get out. They're trying to divide the world up, and you got the TV networks that are in, in, in cahoots with the SEC and the Big Ten. They're proxies, essentially, for ESPN and Fox, and there's CBS and NBC have implications, too, and ties to the Big Ten. So it's a mess, and then you got the NCAA's very existence in question. So I mean, it's anybody's guess how it's all going to shake. Throw out there the fact that you know live TV rights for sports is kind of in question. Is it really a bubble? And you got yourself. I mean, I don't even know how a, a, a person like Michael Alford or a TV network executive sleeps because there's just you have no idea what the system's going to look like a year from now. No, man, and there's there's there is a lot of concern um, and a lot of. Um, I guess just not, I wouldn't say fear because I think they figure that there's got to be a, this is such a big institution, such a big industry that they'll figure out something. But yeah, man, it's a, it's, I don't think anybody knows for sure how it's going to play out. I mean, nobody really knows how for, how it's going to all play out. Well, back to the uh, the on the ground stuff because Florida State's building up quite a roster for 2024, and the flip that they've done in terms of Ira, we were talking a month ago, six weeks ago, like what's the win probability for Florida State or, or the over under total for a 12 game season? It's gone up, up and away. And uh, Florida State newcomer interviews is a part of that. Charlie is asking, and thank you, Charlie, you're helping us promo what's coming up on the site and the channel this week. When is the next set of new player interviews? Well, this week it is Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So. Pardon me for a moment as I list who is available. On Wednesday, you've got Jalen Lucas from Indiana. That's the uh, special teams ace as well as a running back. Marvin Jones Jr., for the first time as a Florida State Seminole, will speak on Wednesday. Sione Lolohea will speak as well. That's uh, a big-time defensive end get from Oregon State. Florida State landed his services last month. Cam Davis. Ira, people are fired up about Cam Davis. We put a video out there last week on the channel. It did huge numbers. People are excited because Cam Davis – Looks like Ira, he's about 25 years old, so uh, he'll speak for the first time. Uh, any names that pop up to you that first day? I mean, that that seems like a pretty good list of uh, people to get acquainted with. That is a good group, and uh, the yeah, the Cam Davis, Cam Davis excitement probably rivals early 2000s shirtless Greg Jones picks. <laughs> people love when a guy is just like ripped and huge, and Cam Davis certainly fits the mold. And if he can play like Greg Jones, then Florida State will be in business. Um, Aunt Lola Hea is a guy I'm really excited to hear about and hear from and um, you know, his relationship with DJ Uyunglele and, you know, they were teammates. And I think that was a big part of him coming here. Plus he's also, I think, you know, I mean, the couple of these defensive linemen are monsters, man. I, I wasn't there Thursday cause um, uh, I was at the board of trustees meeting, 
But the guy for Durajaye from uh, West Virginia, mm. they list him at 6'5", 280. But then when you look at the video from just like the chest up, he looks kind of lanky. Yep. 280 pounds oh. as a defensive end. I guess he's he said he's going to try to lose a little weight. But, but yeah, I mean, they're bringing some grown-ass men uh, uh, in the trenches, uh, which is certainly good to see and look forward to seeing those guys up close. So I'll list the rest of the players in just a moment. But uh, I know you weren't there Thursday, but you watched the interviews. And obviously, you know, you get to talk to everybody on staff that, that spoke to the players. I know that Duro Jaye, Corey has put in a request for him to be in his wedding party. I think he's having it so much. He I don't know if he's him. in charge of the ring for the, for the uh, wedding next month, but he's put him on the list. I think he's, there's a call out there. Maybe some NIL bucks in there for Duro Jaye. He's going to see if they can. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, man, he loves, he loves that kid. Is there anybody uh, that stood out to you? It, maybe it's just because of human interest or, or any other angle that, uh, from, from last week's eight interviews. Man, you know what? I think they've all been impressive. I mean, everybody that has come and talk and, Again, you just give um, you know Norvell and his staff credit uh, because they've done a really good job of uh, not just you know getting good athletes, but you know for the most part getting guys that are are like well put together, you know, and and, and just mentally and physically. And uh, yeah, and Durjai, I'm gonna give Corey a grief about his column and uh, you know his comments on the podcast because he's in love with that kid. Um, but I mean, he he's very impressive. There's no question about it. And uh, uh, and really, like I said, all those guys are, and they, they handle themselves well. Um, I was real impressed the first day of interviews, Magic Benson, or Malik Benson. I want to call him Magic minute. Benson. Wait a minute, though. There's something there. Well, Did wasn't, you create his nickname? Wasn't there a Magic Benson, though, back in the day? I think there might have been one. Magic Benton. But um, Malik, Malik know, there was a Magic Johnson. I know I got <laughs> I got to do the obvious thing. I yeah. think there was a receiver that maybe got, went to Miami that was a Magic. But um, but uh. Malik Benson, I thought he was super impressive. Just the focus, you know, and then the Alabama guys, all the Alabama guys we've spoken to are really impressive. Just, again, you're dealing with guys who, and I'm going to guess Marvin Jones Jr. is going to be the same and a lot of these other guys as well, you know, just a uh, just a, a real strong focus and, and a seriousness. And I think those are the guys that Norvell's approach and Alex Atkins' approach and Adam Fuller's approach probably resonates with, right? Like the – Yep. The, their whole sales pitch, and if you read these recruiting stories that Michael does, and he can talk about it when he comes on, but you know, Michael Mike Norvell's pitch to all these guys, and it goes down his whole staff is, don't come here if you don't want to work, mm-hmm. and if you do want to work and you want to be great, great, but I'm going to push you to that, and you're not going to love me, but I'm going to. I mean, every kid that comes on a visit, that's what he tells them, yep. and you got to think that the guys that that resonates with are the guys that we're seeing in these interviews or pretty sharp and, and pretty focused, right? Well, yeah, to me, the thing that, that reassures me is you have a couple of kids that have spoken now on the record, and they're from Alabama, and they say, yeah, we get the same vibes as we get when we were with Nick Saban in Alabama. So they're not saying, wow, they do things really differently around here. They say, no, this, this seems about right. Um, you know, they, they had a, a praise, Malik Benson specifically had praise for the tour of duty, saying, now I see why they had the success that they had. But he didn't say, like, this is the most earth-shattering right. thing. Like, it, it just – I think he looks at the program and the way it's its constructed as, like, he was where he was coming from in Tuscaloosa. And to me, that's the biggest compliment you can give because, you know, DeBoer's regime is only beginning. They only knew the Nick Saban way of doing things in Alabama. And so when you have kids from an institution like that saying something like they're saying about Florida State and the no-nonsense attitude, I think that's quite refreshing. So let's get uh, the uh, the list out for Thursday. Two more Alabama players, linebacker Sean Murphy, 
defensive back Earl Little Jr. Looking forward to hearing from those two guys in addition to three signees. Defensive backs Jamar Howard, Kai Bates, and Charles Lester III. That is a full day, so that begins at 11 a.m. on Thursday. Five players, Ira, two from Alabama, three highly touted defensive backs. And Ira, if they're anything like the crew that Florida State brought in last year, that specific group, you saw a different caliber of athlete coming to Tallahassee to play defensive back. They have overhauled the future of that room from the high school ranks, not the portal, but the high school ranks. Yeah, and they're going to be a little lighter on experience this year, I think, and certainly going going into next year. But the upside of these guys is, is uh, I think, much higher. I mean, a lot of these guys that they signed last year, as you mentioned, Edward Joseph and Conrad Hussey and uh, KJ Kirkland and Quindarius Jones, and you know, they're they're guys that you could see really high upsides for. And then these guys that they just signed, as you said, interestingly enough, Jamar Howard, I think in the last on three rankings, I think he moved up ahead of, he might've moved up ahead of Charles Lester. He, mm-hmm. he really jumped up in those rankings. Kai Bates was obviously a, a formerly recruited to an, or committed to an SEC school. Um, so that's a, I mean, and Charles Lester, everybody wanted him. So really talented group. I'm looking forward to talking to those guys. And, um, and then, you know, Sean Murphy's going to be a huge, if he's good, if he's as good as your guy Clint Lamb led us to believe, was it Clint Lamb? Yeah, Clint Lamb uh, uh, from Alabama. I mean, he. I mean, I, after watching that interview, uh, I, you know, I was I was signing up for him to be starting alongside uh, um, our guy Lundy. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's, that's another good day. They put together those cinematic recaps. Uh, feel free, Florida State, to grab the Clint Lamb uh, hype train for some of these players. It might sell some tickets for you to the spring game. Earl Little too, right? Earl, yeah. He was, yeah. He's like, oh man, Earl Little late now i'm like okay all right you sell it with that country draw clint very nice uh, and then friday uh three more players tamir hickman collins linebacker signing for florida state uh followed by landon thomas who i can't wait to watch play i think he fits this offense to a t and i gotta tell you i were talking to alex atkins on signing day he was so pumped right. about what landon thomas could be in the offense and so i'm gonna go with the coach if he's pumped i'm pumped uh, and uh, the recruiting services reflected that for landon Followed by the quarterback, Luke Cromanhawk, will speak on Friday as well. So we are chock full of interviews this week. Uh, that is 12 more newcomers for Florida State to speak. There is a, a big name out there in DJ Uyunglele who still hasn't spoken to the media. That will be coming with some more newcomers. But uh, 12 players this week, Ira, and that's Wednesday through Friday. So uh, between now and then, though, uh, softball season begins on Thursday. And I know that there's a feature that you're very excited to share coming up on the site very soon. Yeah, it's a little bit different. I, um, one of, you know, Lonnie Alameda's sort of top assistant for a long time, Travis Wilson, who's uh, basically kind of handles the hitting, not all by himself, but he's uh, the, the main guy on her staff. He's been here now over a dozen years. Um, and he's got a, just a tremendous backstory. He's, he's been a huge part of uh, Florida State softball success, but he also, really cool backstory. He's from uh, New Zealand, uh, was a softball player, and then got selected uh, or actually recruited to come play baseball, professional baseball. He's in the Braves organization for a long time, made it as far as AAA, had a really good minor league career. Uh, now is an excellent coach and uh, just, a, you know, kind of like a story of kind of a little bit of his background, his journey and what he brings to Florida State softball. So I'll have that kind of previewing uh, this season. And I think there's also interviews for softball tomorrow that we'll be at. Uh, plus, you know, baseball is about to crank up as well. So, a lot of a uh, lot of other coverage besides just you know these football injuries, but man, yeah, the, from Wednesday through Friday, and then we'll have coverage of it probably three or four days after that. But tons of uh, football coverage this time of year. 
It's also the time of the year to make sure that your ACC Network Plus subscription is ready to go to watch a lot of these uh, the diamond sports. Uh, it's a great time. And, and Ira, I'm going to be like so many Knowles fans, first time I'm experiencing this, where it's going to be like uh, 32 is a wind chill, 18 degrees. And I'm saying, boy, Hauser looks great. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's, it's about that time. So make sure you guys get your subscriptions there all set. Florida Man in Texas. Will there be some coach speak in JCS this week? Well, I can tell you Florida Man in Texas, Seminole Headlines uh, reconvenes tomorrow, followed by the Jeff Cameron Show for the rest of the week. Uh, young Bryce Cameron uh, was taken to the uh, to see Terrence Mann uh, down in Miami. Uh, he, that was a Sunday night game, so Jeff returns, I believe, first thing in the morning tomorrow. Um, and uh, coach speak, what do you think, Ira? Do, do you know if there is one this week? Or are you guys uh, punting for uh, – no, I think there should be. We did one last week. I think we should be able to do one this week. So yeah, no, it's uh we've been floating around in the off season what day it runs. Uh, last week it was a little bit earlier in the week. Um, so yeah, there was one last week, and I, I believe we'll have one again this week. We'll see. All right, so uh, rapid fire here uh, before Michael Langston takes to the day. So recruiting questions got a couple of questions in the chat. First from Jane. Uh, Ira alluded to this, but why didn't Johnny play in the Senior Bowl? Reportedly, maybe tweaked as something just minor and uh, stayed away. Is that is that what you uh, were hearing? Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's what I heard, but I don't know for sure, 100%, if that's true. Sometimes guys, I mean, several guys opted out. That's why Braden Fisk had to switch from one team to the other team because they had some attrition. And it's pretty common. There, there's a belief a lot of Jermaine Johnson didn't play in the game when he was coming out two years ago. A lot of guys feel like the practice is the most important thing. The the, the game is a little bit more of an exhibition. Um, other guys feel differently. Plenty of top players play in the game. Uh, but so Johnny didn't play in it. I'm not exactly sure what the reason was, but I don't think it was anything serious. Garrett PCL. This is the last question for Iris or so make sure to hit the thumbs up at the bottom of the video before we get to recruiting talk. What's the over under on FSU players getting drafted? I'll say nine and a half. Ira, I think, I think we might be going over on that number. What do you think? Man, I, I need to sit down and look at it. Um, could be, I mean, certainly could be, um, but I also, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm curious about a couple of these guys that were great college players or at least had one great season. Um, you know, I don't know. And that's one thing, you know, I, you know, as we look back on the, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, like I, as we look back on the decision, a lot of those guys made for the orange bowl. And I, and I, I gave credit to, you know, the Jaheim bells and the guys who felt like they had to get healthy um, for the draft process, you know, there's a couple of those guys on that team that were key players that might not get drafted and may not m make it long in a camp. And, you know, you wonder how they're going to feel about their decision to not play in that last game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think uh, it's going to be a lot. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's over. I need to go back and look at the official list to give a, a better estimate. But, um, but yeah, there, it's going to be a lot. But I also, I don't know that everybody's going to get drafted. You know, there are some of the guys who are really good college football players that I don't know if they're all going to get drafted. Though. So I'll do the quick game. You got the two receivers for sure going to get drafted. Right. Jaheim Bell's three. Trey Benson's four. Jordan, I would think, of course, is five. Yeah. Jared versus six. Braden Fisk, seven. Now you got the two linebackers at uh, – you got Bethune. Yeah, I, don't, I, I would think. I would think maybe one or both of them, but I don't know for sure. We'll go with one. That's eight. Renardo Green. Yeah, I think so. I think, but I don't know for sure. Okay. You know, Jarring Jones, I think, but I don't know for sure. All right. uh, Fabian right. Lovett, Fabian Lovett, I don't know. You know, yep. some, there's some, some of those guys in there that that could, and I could make a case for it, but I don't know for sure. It's going to be close. That's a good number, Garrett PCL. Thanks for the contribution. Uh, any other promotions, Ira, before uh, we switch uh, gears tonight? Yeah, and uh, we still have a couple more stories coming from last week's interviews. I think Corey did a story about uh, – 
the defensive lineman from Colorado State, Grady. Um, Grady, yep, little. Uh, uh, Kelly, Kelly. Uh, Grady, yeah, yeah, Grady Little, like I'm a manager. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, that, uh, I think Corey wrote that story. So that'll be up on the site. I've also got my Jaheim Bell story, uh, from the senior bowl that I'll probably be running tomorrow. And then, like we said, the, the big Travis Wilson feature along with the video that Aslan helped shoot and, and, uh, you and Ben helped with the editing. So, uh, that'll be coming as well. Stay tuned here to Warchant TV. And of course, head over to warchant.com for full coverage on all those stories for being a slow time. It's pretty busy. So uh, make sure to stay tuned. We'll be back in 15 seconds with Michael Langston. Good night, Ira. Thanks, man. Good talk. Good night. Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. All right. His bags are packed, but he's not quite <laughs> on vacation yet. It's Michael Langston here on Warchant TV. We're talking in the last 15, 20 minutes, Monday smash about the final of three junior days. Maybe taking some portal questions, whatever you got for Michael. This is your last chance for a little while to ask him questions on Warchant TV. So get in under the buzzer uh, and make sure to hit the like button underneath the video. Michael, how's it going, man? I see that smile. You're, you're ready to go. You got your son. I'm good, man. Um, I'm ready to roll. Um, I will say a tip. I did see Johnny Wilson uh, this weekend at FSU the day of the Senior Bowl. Uh, he didn't look injured to me, uh, too much injured, maybe an ankle or something. So it's not like Brown breaking news, but uh, I did see him. And then the question of uh, over, I'm going to go with over on the the draft picks. Uh, I think one guy y'all didn't mention is Keem Dent, and I think Keem's had yep. a really good year that I think that's a guy. So I think you'll get a little bit over, not too much, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, but yeah, it's been a long year, Tom, uh, uh, exciting at some points, Mm -hmm. stressful at at other points, uh, with the coaching situation, but, uh, overall, uh, I think a really good year, um, you know, just for FSU, but also just, it really, uh, I think it was almost a, a solid, uh, show me year for FSU last year. And I think they really delivered And the, it's kind of feeling that way with a lot of recruits of how they view FSU of, of what they did a year ago. Um, even had a good interview with Caleb Cunningham yesterday uh, on Sunday. And he was like, yeah, they should have been in the national championship. So it, it tells you the viewpoint of a lot of recruits that they feel like FSU was slighted and they should have been there. And they're a top, you know, tiered national team that, uh, you know, people want to be a part of. Michael, I'm going to ask you your favorite guy that uh, maybe this past weekend, because they brought in another list of really good plays. You just mentioned one of them, a five-star receiver. Yeah. Um, but I, I was really, really impressed uh, with one of the linebackers that you guys spoke to this weekend, and that is Gavin Nix. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a four-star, I believe, in the on-three rankings, but uh, this guy is buttoned up, detail sound. Uh, he's very impressive. He feels like a great culture fit for Florida State. Like yep. He values what Mike Norvell values. Uh, what did you learn about Gavin? And uh, This is a personal question for me. Where does Florida State stand with that particular prospect? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's the first guy I've actually heard like you know publicly that would come out there in interviews and talk about stability of, of what the stability was in FSU's uh, staff and um, really highlighted uh, Mike Norvell turning down Alabama to stay at FSU, really said you know that was big for him. Uh, and so I think that stuff's important. Um, and, and outside of, of football with the academics and the culture fit and uh, yeah, development, every kid wants to get developed, but I think um, he's a kid that, you know, believes in uh, he wants to see stability uh, overall, not just, you know, 
okay, your staff's there for a while, but stability of what trajectory are you going at? What 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 level are you going at? And he talked a lot about the trajectory of FSU, and um, that really stood out to me. I, I certainly feel like out of the three schools, which we hear the most about Miami, FSU, and Florida, you feel like the trajectory is, is best with FSU. Um, so, so they're certainly going to be really high on his list. Uh, it's still early. Uh, he hadn't really named a favorite, but if you go by kind of the things that he highlighted, mm-hmm. I would think that FSU, you know, feels good about, you know, kind of where they sit, I guess, going into that, you know, late spring and summer. Then who else impressed you this weekend? It could be a specific player, uh, maybe a, a message that the kids, it seems like there was a, a message that uh, across several interviews you heard. What, what stood out to you? I think the other interview for me was Kobe Howard, a four-star wide receiver out of uh, originally out of Pensacola Catholic, um, then went to Western High School over there in Davie, Florida, and it's now at Chaminade, which can't blame any kid for wanting to go to Chaminade. I mean, Chaminade's Tom, but his interview really stood out to me because he gave off. He was the one I felt like gave off the strongest body language. Like, I kind of know where I want to go, and I, I feel good about this place. And um, you could see how much they coveted him, but also just it was a covetousness of, you know, I know if I wasn't playing football, these guys I could trust them, I could lean on them. Uh, where you know, he broke his leg, I think, in the sophomore year. FSU was the first person uh, you know, people to talk with him. Uh, like, hey, we want you. It don't matter. You know, we're there for you. And and there's a lot of personal connection to FSU. That was his first offer. So that really, that interview, you know, stood out to me a lot. I think, I think there was several really good interviews, but uh, I think those two, for instance, really just jumped out to me. Uh, Gavin, because of his details of stuff you don't hear as much from recruits, like stability, but, and then with Kobe, just uh, the excitement level of, of just a school that stuck with him, even when, he wasn't a top tier recruit yet. He was basically a three star at that point and then got moved up to four star. But I think it speaks to the level of what they do with relationships and, and, and why those are so pivotal for them. And, and you see that a lot with a lot of these kids that are on campus that have visited multiple times, especially Kobe. Uh, but I think overall, just um, the relationships is, I think people want to see if the relationships are still kind of the main thing. And it is, it's still, their top tier go-to main thing that they want. They want skill set, but they also want guys that fit everything they're doing uh, with with their team. You know, it's like they're not going to take every kid that, you know, sometimes there's going to be kids that they take that are maybe a little lesser talent than the the guy behind them, but this is a guy they trust and feel comfortable with. Um, You know, the Charles Lester's we talk about, you know, 2024 class, the hiking Williams, but those guys are great players, but they're also great fits to what what your culture and what you want in your program. So I think it's it's a combination of, of both. And FSU doesn't shy away from um, they're not going to shy away from that fit. You know, whether it's coach, whether it's skill set, uh, they're not going to shy away from that. I don't care if it's a if it's a if it's a five star and then there's a four star and they feel like the four star is better and the skill set is is really high on their list, they're going to go with that guy. So I think they've stuck with that. Uh, they haven't gone away from that. And I think that's important with kids because they want to see consistency. And that's the one thing we hear all the time with these recruits is the consistency of FSU. It's the same. When you go there, Norvell is the same. The Norvell that they see visit their school is the same Norvell that they see when they come in for a visit. It isn't this guy that okay, uh, I'm going to act this way, but then when you get on campus, you're not going to see me as much. You're going to see him a lot. You know, he is very, very active and hands-on, and they never they never drop down to what they are. 
Yeah, and that, I noticed that with Caleb Cunningham. You know, the, the message again, if you don't want to work, don't come here. If you don't want to work, don't come here. And that's a five-star receiver. You don't want kids that are robots, Michael. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of these interviews sound the same, to your point. Like, they're, they're bringing in the same type of kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, that means that they're sticking to their guns, which, hey, they got them uh, 23 wins last two regular seasons. Seems like pretty good guns to stick to. So Khalil in the chat wants to know about Landon Thomas and Cam Davis dropping so much in the overall rankings, the industry rankings. Do uh, you think it's about an SEC school? Because both films, according to Khalil, are, are ridiculous. As much as you don't yeah. want to put your, uh, you know, the On3 network or any other network uh, in the line of fire, Michael, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they should have dropped, uh, but I understand, like, they have a tough process of guys moving up, guys catching their eye that are different. But as far as those guys' talent, I don't think it really changes anything. And here's the thing, guys, stars don't matter when you get on campus. So, I mean, FSU knows what they're getting. Uh, With Landon Thomas, I think that was more of – Landon is used in a more blocking-oriented offense of what he does. Now, Landon is very elite as a receiver. I've seen it several times. He will be used in that capacity at FSU, but you don't get to see that a lot. So that's going to drop him down. It's not going to make him as coveted, you know, in the rankings uh, standpoint. And then, obviously, Cam plays for a team, uh, you know, an Albany Doherty that – not a great team, you know, so certainly, you know, he doesn't get the pub and he doesn't, he plays a lot of multiple positions. So that, that always is a thing where it twists up somebody another way where, Hey, we like this guy cause he plays it all the time. Um, so, but overall um, I don't think anything changed as far as what on three looks at those guys, as far as how talented they are. I think it's just, you know, one of those situations of what they like a little more. And, uh, but overall, I think uh, I think the world of both of those guys. I think you're going to be. Uh, I, I I got a kick out of Jeff getting such an excitement level when he watches the the seek and the, what what Cam looks like. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, Cam's looked like that all year, you know. So that mm-hmm. really isn't a surprise to me. But uh, I know their FSU is very excited about both of those young men. Um, I think they're both highly talented. I think they're both have a really good chance early to make an early impact. So um, overall, I just. I'll be honest, I'm not trying to downgrade the question, but it's like I don't really get into rankings that much when it gets to late part of the year because there's so many dynamics that go into, uh, you know, kind of what they're looking at, what guys they like a little better. Um, but those are kind of few points, I think, of why they, they probably slipped a little. Once again, Cam Davis speaks to the media for the first time as a knoll on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Look for that on the channel. You guys really like to talk about Cam Davis on the channel last week, so just making sure that everybody knows their new favorite player uh, on Wednesday morning is going to speak to the media. Thank you, Khalil, for the contribution. Uh, Lee wants to know about those linebackers. He really appreciated your uh, the piece on Warchant.com about that particular position. To what do you attribute the increase in linebacker recruiting and the traction Florida State has? What do you think? Yeah, I told you this, guys. When I did the hot board for defensive tackle and, and linebacker, it was a lot different than what I did a year ago. I was really struggling a year ago to like, okay, which guys am I going to put in here um, to make this, you know, you know, kind of look good or whatnot. But um, I think a lot of it is production of, of what they've done on the field development. I think kids see the opportunity to play there. Uh, they know two of their starters are gone. Lundy's a great piece to have back. So that was big news for FSU getting him back. But kids also know that there's a great opportunity to play there. Uh, and they also know when you get there, they've seen the development of these two guys, uh, whether Kalen Deloach and you know Tatum Bethune. So I think that's really attracted a lot of guys. And I know a lot of people he gets a lot of like hatred 
overall just on the recruiting part. But uh, uh, Randy Shannon is a guy that is very liked uh, as far as recruits of the connection personally and then to what the, his knowledge of, of the position. Like they're very high on that. You know, whether uh, it, it does irritate me at times that there hasn't been top tier guys all the time, but overall uh, from his development standpoint, uh, a lot of recruits have him in a very high mark as far as what he does with linebackers. So that's an attraction, but um, now we got to see if they can get some more of those guys. Got Ethan Pritchard. Uh, you'd like to get a two, few more guys that are top tier guys. And certainly the last two weekends, they've hit on a lot of guys uh, that have been on campus. So uh, with the list you saw on the hot board, I'll probably have even more added to that list because uh, there's such an attraction of kids wanting to be in that linebacker room because of uh, just what they've seen production wise. And, um, and I don't think, and there's no slide on Randy. I just think Randy is a certain guy where he's going to set you what there is, what it is, what they're going to do. He's not this guy. I think it's going to be in a crazy pitch guy where there's certain guys that have that electricity to him, like Patrick Sertain, Alex Atkins. That's just, I mean, Randy is a different way of how he recruits. A question from Carol over on Facebook. She always asks good questions. Are we recruiting over numbers, <laughs> uh, but it'll pan out over spring? And because of reduced total number uh, scholarships over two years with the NCAA violation, are we okay with this, or does it even matter at this point in the era of NIL? What do you think about numbers, Michael, as it relates to what Florida State's doing? The good old numbers. Uh, no, I mean, I think they're going to – they'll be fine uh, at the 85 mark. I think uh, – um, certainly there'll be some moving. Uh, I said this last time I was in here, a guy that's getting paid over uh, 10 million a year. I think he knows uh, what their numbers and what they can fit, who's leaving, who isn't. Um, so I'm not really that concerned with it. I've seen it every year that, you know, they, you know, there's some juggling they have to do um, and there's be attrition and stuff, but I think overall they'll, they'll nail their, their 85. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I have not heard any concerns of, Hey, we got to really, get get this where we're under control. I think they feel under control with it. The numbers always work. I, Leonard Hamilton was the funniest about that. I know that's a cliche, but Le- Leonard yeah. always would say, don't worry about my numbers. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't count my ships. Yep, yeah, exactly. so, uh, I mean, yeah. I think it always works out. And that's a fun conversation to have. We have certain people on our PRB that love to talk about the numbers and how they're going to shake this. But uh, like I said, the guy that makes over $10 million a year, I think he's going to know what his numbers are. Um, especially what attention to detail type of guy like Mike is. Mike always plans ahead to anything that, that's happening. So I, I I I haven't heard anything outside of the realm of you know as far as intel that that concerns me. So I, I'm you know under assumption of people ever I talk to that you know it's going to be fun. I also gather in this day and age of football, I won't go into depth, but I feel like there's more flexibility in this era of college yeah. football too with numbers. Z-Chan, yeah. thank you so much, Z-Chan. We appreciate the contribution, the official DMD of Warchan TV. There you it's go. A sim- it's a simple message, Michael. Thank, Good thank, thanks, Z. I can, uh, I'll use that. I'll okay. use that when I get it. I'll, I will use it. Thank you. Brush and floss twice a day. Thank you very <laughs> much, <laughs> Z-Chan. Uh, Darnell also, uh, will Cam Riley be a null? And when? Straight to the point. What do you think, Michael? <laughs> Straightforward. Uh, I, I think it was a solid visit. Uh, I talked to Cam. Uh, Matt talked to him before I did. Matt did a really good story, really good piece. Uh, Matt Matt really crushed it just on the share. And, and everything in Intel suggests to me that I think FSU has done the best job as far as on the visits. Uh, he also visited NC State. So he mentioned NC State, Florida State. Um, I think uh, FSU seems to covet him. 
So I'm not going to sit there and say win or, 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 hey, if they're definitely going to get him. I think they're in probably good position. But at the same time, um, he's not – Darnell, he's not a early guy. So, I mean, he's a May guy. So there's no rush. He can go back home, decipher these visits, see what one uh, – make sure – that what he's feeling is what he's feeling. And then, uh, you know, maybe make a decision, but there's really a, not a rush for him to make a decision, but everything coming out of the visit, you know, sounded pretty uh, fairly positive. What I, what I had. All right. One fun question. Then one more work question. Uh, <laughs> okay. If you're willing to share, Michael, you don't have to share. It's your own personal business, but Garrett's a good poster and he asked in, in good spirit. I know where are you going on vacation? Are you visiting Ralph in Hawaii? What's going on? I would love to go back to Hawaii, Garrett. Um, that's where my wife is uh, born and raised. So I'd love to go there. I don't think I'll have quite that time. I will just do a variety of spots, maybe hit up uh, Asheville, North Carolina. It's a place where we we have family there. Um, there's several other places. Uh, we might even go visit to see a friend and uh, friends in Texas. So I'm kind of just putting that with Diane. Like she tells me where we're going. And so that's kind of she's had to handle me for all year for sacrificing stuff. So it's kind of my turn to just sit back and she tell me where we're packing our bags and that's where I'm going. So it will be a variety of places. Nice. Yeah. I tell you what, Michael, from about December 1st to February 1st, it's been the longest year we've had in a long time. (laughs) Uh, Al, how many more solid recruiting classes will it take to reduce the portal to five or six players a year? So that's an interesting question, Michael, because I'll add to that. Will it ever be where the portal is only five or six a year? What do you think? I, I'm not sure it will uh, be ever at that level. Just because It's not that um, – I, I think a lot of people look at the portal like you have to do that, and it's like um, – I think it's 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 something that Mike really covets, you know, as far as uh, immediate guys that can help you. So does it maybe get to that point? Possibly, but I, I think people need to just um, – soak in the fact that Mike is very big on the portal. You know, uh, he's very big on high school recruiting, but he's very big on the portal. Um, it might get to the six point. Um, but overall, I think every year you're going to see like, you know, possibly eight or nine because of, of how he covets guys that, that what he want. Here's the thing, guys, Mike's going to get the best player, you know, that fits everything they do. You know, whether that's high school or portal, that's the deal. These guys count the same, no matter if they're high school or portal. So I think I think a lot of people look at portal like it's uh like it's almost like gathering a loan if you need money. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think they understand like it's still uh, some of their best players have been vital from the portal and it's to fill holes. So if you feel like there's a hole there and you feel like you can fit quicker with the portal, they're going to do that. But I, I think it could get to six, but I don't think it's going to get to the five more. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, they're doing better in, in high school recruiting, but yeah, Michael, you're right. Just every year, you know, uh, quarterback position was the one that started it before NIL, before the portal. Yes. You, know, you, you had to recruit two a year. It felt like because somebody was going to get mad and leave. So now that's every position. So, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with these high school kids, they could leave anytime they want. I mean, the guys, they just signed these kids in 2025 could just say, you know what? I'm gone. You know, so um, there's, and I've had this conversation with different people in the FSU Intel where, there's more of a comfort of, of portal guys because there's a proven aspect of them wanting to prove themselves and the chances of them going somewhere else is, is not likely. So I, I think in some cases, I mean, I've seen it where FSU put two years into a guy like Keldrick Falk, and in one week, uh, Hugh Freeze gets the job. They lose him in a week because of all two years that you put into that. So 
I could see why the portal is attractive to them because uh, you can get a guy, you, you can do it, and he's going to want to come in, and he's probably more ready than that guy in high school. So people need to understand and accept that the portal, they're people too. They're people, they're players. It's not a detriment. It doesn't mean, uh, oh, you're – your program suffering or their high school recruiting stuff, or you got the high school class they just signed in 2024 is phenomenal. Uh, it's a great class, but I think Mike wants to have that balance of portal and high school. He's going to have that, whether people like it or accept it or not, that's what yeah. it's going to be. And then, and the portal isn't going, I think anywhere. I think it's only going to get stronger. More people are doing what FSU's done. You look at all the teams that really went portal crazy, Ole Miss, Louisville, you know, Ohio state, all these teams went portal crazy. These are top tier teams. So I think it's going to be something that's very popular around the country. And when it comes to portal recruiting, vacation is always popular, Michael. I hope you have a safe <laughs> one and, and we'll talk to you on the other side of it. Florida state uh, recruiting comes back to life in March. Michael's going to exhale. Uh, so uh, we appreciate Michael, all the coverage on warchant.com and warchant TV. It's been fun, but I know you're ready for a break. So enjoy it. I am. Uh, I want to thank everyone all year for the Monday smash of all our recruiting chats. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to our guys. Tom knows the job he did, incredible job he does for our interviews uh, that we get up so quickly after the visits. And um, I cannot say enough great things about Matt Lassier this year the, of what he's done team wise and recruiting wise. I've never felt so comfortable going wherever I'm going on vacation to have Matt there um, answering your questions. I think uh, I don't think it's it, we can I could put enough emphasis on the job that he's done. Uh, Obviously, a great hire by by Gene, and I think he's been terrific. And 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 lastly, I love all my guys. I love all the guys I work with. I love Tom. I love Aslan. I love Jeff. I love everybody. You got to love the people you're around. And I think it's such a, a dream team type of atmosphere that we've created. And I appreciate everything you guys do. We appreciate you guys coming in here. But I just I want you guys to know uh, just more exciting things are coming and. Uh, I'm so excited to be a part of the team and, and all the help that we get uh, doing the coverage that we give you. Maybe I'll see you out there, Michael. I might I might sneak a weekend somewhere. There you go. In the, in Maybe the, I'll uh, go to New York. There you go. I mean, look, the city's right through that door. It really is. Like the, the window faces the city. Like right? it. On that like door. it. Uh, hit hit me up if you're making it up to JFK or the party, and we'll come scoop you up. Uh, uh, one more note before I say goodnight. First of all, thanks to uh, Z Chan. Thank you to Khalil. And then thank you to, who was it? Let's see, Darnell, for your uh, contributions to the program. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Director Ben, behind the scenes, our sponsor, of course, as always, is State Farm agent Russ Forhis. But on a personal note, happy birthday to Kathleen Lang. Mom, yes. 39, never looks so good. Hope you're having a great 39th birthday. Again, it's amazing how you're always 39 years old, but hope everything is good in clear water. So for the team, my name is Tom Lang. Hit the like button underneath the video and uh, head to warchant.com. Good night, everybody.